0: Welcome to the Life Support Podcast with your hosts, Michelle Van Dusen and June Colson, A couple of clean comedians here to support each other and others through comedy's wacky and winding roads. They'll talk about highs and lows and some traumatizing shows. So get ready, get set, let's go! welcome to the laugh support podcast new year's edition brought to you by the hot breath comedy network i'm your host june colson here with my best friend michelle with 1l van Dusen. what's up michelle van Dusen? oh not too much i'm really excited
1: looking forward to this new year things are going to be great it's going to be my year it's going to be my year not like
0: 2020 this year is going to be mm. my year. Listen, okay, so Jason and I we never like we never celebrate. We have no friends. New Year's really identifies that <laughs> we have no friends. We're like not invited to 10,000 parties. Usually we sit around and are like, I don't know, what are you going to do? I don't know what are you going to do. And in 2019 into 2020 Last minute, he calls me and he says, "I got a great deal on a hotel right down from the free concert in Nashville." And this is huge. This is huge. Yeah. And um, and he said, "Let's go." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, that that's great." So we hop in the car, and we take off, and we go to this concert in Nashville. There's like twenty thousand people there. It's uh Stevie Nicks, and you know I'm not like a huge, uh, I don't know all the country people. It's the Australian guy who's married to Nicole Kidman. That cat, Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee. No? That's, he was on no. stage. No. And so anyway, it was just amazing. It was like the most fun, Jason. It was just us. We were grownups. We had grownup time. And I had like a video of us at the concert and I'm like, 2020 is going to be the best ever. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? We're never celebrating a new year ever again. Like ever again. What do you do? What do you do to celebrate?
1: Uh, every year I um our friends invite us to their house for their New Year's Eve party. Okay, so now I- you're just rubbing
0: it in. You're like, <laughs> eh, you start off with I have friends, June. Okay, fine. Yeah, but,
1: but hang on, here here's the kicker. Every year I'm like, Yeah, we can't make it because <laughs> <laughs> I have I have really important things. We put together a puzzle every year. Oh um,
0: okay. Okay. Hi. Is this uh, a throwback to where you did comedy? Yes, it is. You yes, did comedy at Ra- Mount Rushmore in front of four presidents. I told, that's I told right. you that's what you need to have on your um on your uh website, you know. <laughs> Michelle Van Dusen has performed for four different presidents. They're all dead and they were in stone, yep. but it counts. Stone, it counts. Yeah. I would put that on there.
1: <laughs> but I uh, I we bought that then and we haven't opened it yet because saving it, saving it for this New Year's Eve. So nice, <laughs> nice. Yep, well, fun.
0: okay, okay. So um Today, Michelle. I'm yeah. so hype about the guest that we have today, but I'm a little intimidated because yeah, he has one of the best podcasts ever. Yes. Like one of the best podcasts ever. I think he's over 253, maybe 54 episodes. Um, I literally consumed at the beginning of like trying to figure out the whole comedy thing, I consumed everything that I possibly could of his, you know, of his podcast. So right now our little podcast, I feel like we're like, Hey, David Copperfield, want to see a card trick, David Copperfield? Like we are in front of the best <laughs> of the best with our little card trick, but that's all right. He, he agreed to come because he's a fabulous human being. So Michelle, tell yes. us all about who is on the show today.
1: Okay, so Rick Roberts is a Nashville, Tennessee-based comedian and a speaker who focuses on providing 100% clean comedy and creative keynotes to groups who need a fun and engaging program. He's been featured on Dry Bar Comedy, Pure Flix Comedy All-Stars, and co-stars in the movie Mayberry Man. It's and here, awesome. here, here's the thing. He's the host of the Amazing School of Laughs podcast, which you mentioned. So let's welcome to the Laugh Support podcast, Rick Robert,
0: All right. clap, 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 clap. clap.
2: Yay! Hey everybody.
0: <laughs> there he is. There he is. Rick. Oh my gosh. We're so excited uh, that you're here. You are so electric that literally when we tried to start this podcast, you shut down the entire electric grid in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma.
2: It so, could be the electric just, heating pad I have plugged in behind me.
0: <laughs> is that it? Is that it's what just it is? One too many things. Oh. One, just one too many things. Well, hey, we are so excited to have you on our podcast. Um, we talked to you a little bit at, at the beginning. It's called Laugh Support. And, um, you know, as we've done this show, we've had people who are like, I had nobody. <laughs> and that's okay. And then there's some people who have a list of people. And and we just kind of want to know, Rick, you've, you've had a, a really successful career. And we're curious about who has been your laugh support from the beginning through now.
2: Well, you know, it's been such a long time that a lot of the people that I started with aren't doing comedy anymore. Mm. But I would say when I first started, uh, the very first night I did comedy, there were two comics who came out to the parking lot after I ran out the door after doing my set and said, Hey, man, you got to come back in. There's a bunch of comedy. It's going to go on for like two and a half hours. The this, this show just gets better as it gets going. And, and that was uh, Mark Edward Hoick and Miguel Baldoni. They're both very funny guys. Uh, they don't do comedy full time but they're both funny and smart. I mean, they were super smart guys. And, you know, I'd say after two or three more months of of going to these open mics, I said, these guys are cool. I'll move in with them. So I had two roommates for the first eight years of my comedy career that were both uh, pursuing comedy and, and liked what I did. And I liked what they did. And we would sit around. I mean, we had stretches of time where we sit around and write for five, six hours and just kick ideas around and, And hang out. So I would say early on, those were the two guys that, you know, saw my very first open mic and said, Hey, that's, this guy's got something, I guess let's hang out with him. And I thought the same thing about those two guys.
0: Oh, wow. So I imagine that that was probably a really fancy bachelor pad, three dude (laughs) comedians just trying to get started. It was probably
2: bad it was. So it was a basement and then two floors and an attic. And so in the basement, we collected aluminum cans so we could pay rent. And at one point we had more more ants in the house than probably the entire uh ant colony of the United States. We we were just throwing Mountain Dew cans down the down the stairs and then one day we're like, uh oh, we got a we got an ant problem down here. And then I oh, lived God. in the attic with a bat. And uh eventually like a ball
0: bat for safety or like no, a bat like one like that a flew bat
2: he would come out of the closet and hover around and you oh, know God. one one day it's got to be too much. So he woke me up at three in the morning get a hamper. And my two roommates came up and we, tra- we trapped him and took him outside. It was freezing. We threw him outside. And about 10 minutes later, our neighbors knock on the door and they were these real, uh, I don't know right, what the right word is for them, but they were, they thought they were wildlife experts. And they yelled at us for throwing the bat outside because it could kill that poor bat. And I'm like, yeah, as we know now, that bat could kill me. <laughs> yes.
0: So you said the bat woke you up at three in the morning. I'm at Jenny with like a, you know, like Rick, get up. You got a cigarette, man. <laughs> it's well, I 3 a.m. I've been out all
2: night. <laughs> like, well, I got up to smoke. You know, I smoked so much back then that I'd wake up twice a night to smoke a cigarette just so oh, i could get wow. back to sleep. And that's when I saw the bat and I'm like, I can't fall back asleep knowing that thing is looking at me right now, you know? I'm like, how many veins do I have in my neck? How close is it to Halloween? You know.
0: <laughs> Listen, I, uh, I was, um, I was running on the trail behind our house not long ago, and I was talking to Michelle and uh, Rhonda Corey on Marco, and it was the sun was going down, and they were doing the bird abatement. And the like, the cannons were going off, and as I was running, a bat came out of a tree and like got stuck in my hair and was flapping above me. And so I, you know, I I may have said a few words as I was talking to Michelle. And and listen, Rick, she called me out the next day on Facebook. She was like, "Somebody needs to put money in the jar." <laughs> <laughs> That's what true friends are for. Okay, so you started out, and you had these guys. You said you you ran, you ran out of that that first set. So did you plan on just running away had these guys not showed up and, and encouraged you or, yeah, you know, or do you think you would have gone back?
2: It's hard to say, you know, that, that first one, I didn't know it was a comedy night. So when I get done with my three songs, the MC Mm -hmm. told me that it was a comedy night, not a night for guitar players to come and play bridge over troubled water. So (laughs) I was pretty horrified that I was in the wrong spot. So I ran out. I don't know if I would have thought about coming back and trying comedy because I didn't stick around for any comedy. I was the first person up in this, months long contest. There was probably 25 comics there that night, but the MC was not a funny guy. Didn't do any comedy. He just went up there in an old tuxedo, uh, just introduced the first comic, which was me, but he didn't say comic. He just said our first performer. So anyway, I didn't know it was a comedy night. I probably would not have known had he not said that. And I don't know if I've gone back either. So I always think about, you know, way back then, the people that God puts in your life to kind of guide you the right way, you know, and at least, for that period of time, those were those two guys that, that helped me out.
0: So you played uh, A Bridge Over Troubled Water. That was the song you played at the, the comic I let off
2: with that. And then after nobody responded, I thought, you know, they don't want to hear Simon and Garfunkel at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night at a bar. Maybe Born to be Wild is a better choice. And I played that. <laughs> and I thought I played it about the best I ever played it, just no response. And then I said, <laughs> I looked at my watch. I'm like, well, i got one more song. What do you guys want to hear? And they yelled a bunch of words that would make me put coins in the jar. And at, at the end of that sentence, they said something funny. And I had written a couple of funny songs in college and played one of those. But I still didn't know why they wanted to hear something funny. I just played it <laughs> and got off stage. And turned out when I came back in at the end of the night, I got like four votes as the funniest person that night out of, you know, 600 votes or whatever it was. So I got invited to come back the next week. And that's when I started thinking I should try to write some jokes now that I know this is a comedy night, you know, and, and have fun with it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Michelle, wow. have you ever just shown up and accidentally uh, performed somewhere that they they weren't expecting you? Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, Rick, we have a couple episodes where we talk about, Michelle, we'll just randomly, like, t- tell them what you did at Mount Rushmore, Michelle. I just, uh, standing there in front
1: of the president's head, there was a crowd, you know, looking at the rock. And so I said, hey, you guys want to hear some comedy? And they're like, Yeah so i just did a set there and um they're like oh that was that was fun thanks and then everybody went on their way and then i we traveled and as we continue to travel whatever national monument i stopped at i'm like hey you want to hear some comedy they're like yeah i'm like all right so i did my set through uh 12 states
2: that's awesome
0: isn't yeah. that cool. I think that's, that's really cool. It's definitely uh, Michelle is definitely one of the most creative comedians that I've ever met, and 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 probably one of the most bold. You know, you're gonna get her comedy whether you <laughs> want it or not. Just <laughs> creative or she, desperate. She I think had it's people either on way. On, she even had people on a train at one point there was a train ride and she oh, was like great. oh they can't, they can't welcome awesome. to the train <laughs> they literally were like a captive audience it was awesome. awesome yeah, yeah. okay you know so throw mama
1: from the train throw Michelle yeah they the wanted train. to throw oh. Michelle from
0: the train <laughs> yeah. no um okay so so we talk about so you know early on you had um you Mark had the last Miguel. support of uh, these these guys that just was kind of a, a random meeting and then, um, man, you've just, I mean, you've had such a long and, and fantastic career. Who So today, who would you say are typically on the, you know, most um, often are the people that are your life support? Because I know you spend time with a, quite a bit of uh, other comedians, especially in the Nashville area.
2: Yeah, I'd say uh, Johnny W. and Brian Bates. We get together probably at least every six weeks, uh, have lunch, kick some stuff around, just talk about life. And, uh, you know, they're both they're both uh, comedy students of mine. So it's kind of fun to see that they're out there doing it and they're full time. So I always feel like getting together with them is a good kind of shot in the arm just to see what's going on and and kind of keep my enthusiasm up for comedy as well. Cause you know, you can be only so enthusiastic about your own career, but it's fun to see other people that you like doing well Mm. and and hanging out with them.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So that, and what an interesting dynamic that they, they literally learned from you. And
2: I I think they both knew, you know, Brian was a great writer from writing for uh, TV news. And Johnny had already done a little bit of comedy uh, before we first all met. But, you know, the the thing with them is they stuck with it. And I always want to stick with people who stick with it. You know, it's hard, hard to know who those people are going to be early on. But once you see that, I mean, you two are both good examples of people that just stick with it. You know, it's not comedy is not the easiest thing to do. And there's, you know, you can get. Uh, the kids use the term jelly. You get a little jelly sometimes when you see other people doing some gigs and stuff that you're not doing. But the reality is that everybody's got their own path and you'll do things nobody else does. They'll do things that you'll never do. Mm-hmm. The key is that we're just doing things and bringing some clean comedy to people. That's the key to all of it.
0: Yeah. And listen, I, uh, Michelle, I've, I've tried to yeah. consume almost everything that Rick's put out there. I truly believe that um, not only are you a gifted comedian and actor, as we talked about earlier, the Mayberry Man, that movie, mm-hmm. uh, just, uh, you know, I was uh, telling Rick before we we started recording how impressed my husband and I were in every scene that Rick was in. He was fantastic. But on top of that, you're you're um, you're truly a great teacher. Uh, and I, you know, I I've taken the the writers class and the performance class and um, the the business, you know, uh, that you offered there. You were the first person who gave me an opportunity to stand on stage at a comedy club, um, and of all comedy clubs, Zanies in Nashville which is, nice. you know, I mean, we know that's a, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a really special venue there. And um, so I get to, you know, when people are like, have you ever performed at Zadie's? I get to say yes. Uh, and I don't mention I paid to do it, you know, <laughs> I just go, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, a, just a little thing. I just did a little thing there one yeah. time, but, um, but you're an excellent teacher, you know, as far as laugh support goes, you've you really between your podcast and, you know, and the lessons are so well done. And when I, when I mm-hmm. came to your class, I can tell you this much, Michelle, I didn't, I didn't feel less than, I didn't feel like he, Rick was judgmental of anybody in the class, no matter what they were putting out there. He truly invest in people and tell it, tell us how, you know, how, how did that even start that you started, um, you know, this educational program in comedy?
2: Yeah, it was interesting when I, Moved to Nashville in 99. Um, the local comedy scene was pretty strong. There was a ton of comics, and they had open mics at Zaney's. But uh, the guy that ran Zaney's, Brian, he said, you know what? We've got the open mics going on, and, like, half of them are filthy, and people are getting up and leaving before, mm-hmm. you know, the headliner mm-hmm. or whoever was booked for the night comes up. He goes, could you teach some comedy classes and at least get these guys to get to a punchline quicker? Uh, he wasn't as current, concerned as much about how clean they were, but they were just like not funny.
0: and mm. didn't
2: have a structure to it. And I just told him, I don't know if I, you can teach comedy because I'd always heard you either had it or you didn't, you know. Right. And so I kind of right. bought into that. But he, he gave me the best piece of advice ever. He goes, why don't you just watch your act? Get out one of your shows where you, you know, you got them at that time video. And every time the audience laughs, just pause it and write down. You can write down the punchline, uh, punch but write down why they laughed. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that'd be cool. And he goes, then take those things and teach other people those things. And Mm -hmm. I think that'll help them out. And so I I was a little skeptical at first, but I was curious about the idea of watching my set and actually writing down, not just the punchline, but why the punchline made him laugh. And that's kind of when I came up with my list of, you know, 15, 20 things that trigger a laugh. And then I looked at the jokes that didn't get a laugh and realized they didn't have any of those 15 or 20 techniques in there. So I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go rewrite those jokes and add these things that trigger a laugh and maybe two or three of these things that trigger a laugh in the punchline so that it's got a better shot. Mm. And, I, you know, it was amazing just to see the transformation in my, you know, then I was featuring and headlining, but probably more featuring. And by the end of the next year, I was headlining everywhere. because so I'd fixed all those jokes. My mm. whole hour was solid instead of having like some really good peaks and then some eh, mediocre spots. And so then I took that and started teaching the class at Zany's. And um, it was actually Brian Bates' class that was the first graduation show at Zany's. Oh, wow. I was doing it at, at like Bongo Java and different coffee houses. And then I remember watching his class go up and there there's probably 12 in that class. And they all did so good that I just I just felt this voice saying, this is, this is a show you can see at Zany's. This is better than any open mic they have over there, even though these people are brand new. So that's when I talked to Brian and said, hey, can I bring these guys over? And, you know, you guys get the door. I just want the chance to put them on the stage and and get some experience. And, you know, for a long time there, we just had a good run of classes and graduation shows and people doing it. So that was, you know, I I hadn't planned on teaching a class, but he kind of put that bug in my ear. And once I saw that it worked, it also held me more accountable. Every time I taught the class, I would take the class. So I wrote new jokes every time i come out with five or six new minutes. Mm, And I'd learn things in between. And so I'd add those things to the classes. So, you know, if you came back six months after you took the last writing class, there's probably a couple of new things that I learned in those six months that mm-hmm. I put in there. So it just kind of keeps evolving. It's, it's, you know, is a never ending Rubik's cube that you never get all the sides lined up for more than a right. second before it's jumbled up again, but it's fun to figure out different processes that make it work better.
0: You know, one, uh, one of the big pieces of advice Michelle that Rick gave me, um, that has helped me survive Michelle's critique <laughs> 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 is that he literally I'd like, and I've shared this with other comedians that are starting out as, um, you know, he said to treat your material, uh, like a frog and not a baby. You know, if you're working with people and you're trying to, mm. to get it better, if you hand them your baby and they dissect it, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're wounded. Go to jail. Yeah. You, you go to jail, <laughs> Right. It, you, I mean, you, you internalize that and you take that so personal and he said um, mm-hmm. to treat it like a frog. If you're allowing someone to, you know, pick it apart and find the best pieces of it, you got to have a frog and not a baby. And Michelle, how many frogs have I handed you? <laughs>
1: uh, a lot of toads, a lot of toads.
0: <laughs> Enough that she, she wishes she can croak after a, oh, <laughs> oh there it is, there it no, is, it. Look, right there on the spot. It's you just right, right on
2: did. You leaped ah. in there.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Uh, one of the things that Rick had in his course that, um, that I really gave me comfort starting out was literally just definitions. Like, hmm. I mean, he, he, he really kept it as like, he knew there was going to be some people in there that that was way below what they knew. But also he went to like the, the newest person walking in the room um, could feel comforted because it, I mean, it was a list of like, what, what is a green room and what's a feature act and, you know, uh, just terminology that's used in comedy that if you're first starting out and someone says it to you, like, you know, right now I'm, I'm doing some um, things in acting and I'm having to ask Michelle cause she's, you know, she's act, done acting before. And I'm like, what, what does this mean? And, and what does that mean? But to have somebody who, um, it just doesn't make you feel less than is huge. Mm-hmm. And and that's definitely a, a gift that, you know, that, that you Rick give.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: That you give uh, people who are starting out
2: for yeah, sure. We, so yeah, go ahead. Well, I just think a lot of people get caught up on the levels of comedy and who's doing mm-hmm. this and who's doing mm-hmm. that. They, they look at it vertically. And to me, it's just a horizon thing. Some people have been on the journey for 10 years or 30, but we're still on the same plane. You know, we're all still working with an audience and we're all still telling jokes. So, how do I get the person last in line a little bit closer to the middle, to the front of the line, not above somebody else or below somebody else, but just along with the rest of us? Because you know, they have that saying: if you want to go fast, go alone; if you want to go far, go with many. And so, I think, and I see it with my the people who've taken my class, and just different comedy groups around the country that you know just they associate each other and they kind of move each other down the road. They don't let anybody get too far behind. They they drag that person along with them in tough times, and that's really what. You know, any journey is, especially artistically. It's easy to look at a corporate situation and go, "Oh, that person's a CEO talent. And that person's a data entry person, or whatever." But in in comedy and art and everything, it's just a journey. And sometimes you'll find that one thing that moves you way faster down the line than you would have. Sometimes you can find it on your own, but if you're hanging out with other people that are pursuing the stuff you're pursuing, you're more likely you're going to find some of those things that kind of quicken up the pace. That's yeah.
0: really good. Yeah. So has there ever been a time you felt uh, that you didn't have support around you? Cause we know, I mean, comedy can be a very lonely journey. Um, Oh, sure. Yeah. So tell us about that.
2: Especially in in comedy clubs it was so competitive and brutal. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can give you three examples, probably a hundred where the other comics were just sabotaging my show. You know, one, one that comes to mind is uh, I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and the comic I was working with, I was featuring, he was headlining. And in between shows, I went up and tuned up my guitar to make sure it was ready for the next set. Went across the street to have a slice of pizza and came in. Show kicked off. The MCB brought me up on stage and my guitar had been thrown on the floor. All the strings were untuned. And so I went to get oh. it. And I realized this idiot had uh, tried to sabotage my act. So, you know. Just flat out, like right in the middle of the show. I had more material. So I just I said, well, let's get back to the jokes. But yeah, I had to confront him after the show. I'm like, are you that insecure that you have to untune my guitar strings and throw it on the floor? You know, it wasn't like I was blowing him off the stage or anything. He just didn't like me. So, I mean, that happened. There was, you know, times where I'm getting videotapes of my set and the other comic just walks in front and stands in front of my camera for the mm. next 20 minutes. So I don't get any of the footage from it. Um, wow. Comics not picking me up for radio when they were supposed to pick me up. So it looks like I missed the radio in the morning. All kinds of stuff like that. Um, but there's less of that now. I'm pretty much a one man band. I go do my own stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I was working with other comics, a lot of times, not a lot, it wasn't a majority of the time, but there was plenty of times where they were like, this guy's, you know, whatever. I don't know why they felt threatened, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's just the mindset in comedy clubs, it's, you know, they're trying to take my spot or whatever. Whereas when you're doing corporate events or church events, it's like, oh, he showed up to help us out. It's a whole different vibe.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Michelle, have you have you been sabotaged? I know that time that you were in the Miss America pageant where the girl um, she glued your your uh, costume, your dress bag shut, where you couldn't get into your formal gown. But how about comedy? If you had to, have you had anything any sabotage moments in comedy?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, no, absolutely not. I've I've never had to deal with that. I mean. The only thing that really as a woman that we deal with is the fact you're a woman. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we'll have a show. It's all men, 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 men. Now one token woman. It's like, but there's more funny women out there than just one. So Mm -hmm. like, that's the only thing that it would be. There has been a couple of shows. They're like, yeah, we can't have you on because you're too clean. I'm like, "Mm, okay. So no real sabotage. just, um, yeah you're too good for us you know like and and not not like you're a better comic but it's just too clean dirty so i just would don't fit in certain spots so yeah got it no, yeah
0: i can see that well listen we're um we're heading into the new year right yeah and rick you uh you know like I said, you've given me, you've given me so much advice over the years. Um, I definitely want to encourage our listeners to, you know, if they're interested in comedy or not even to be a comedian, if you're just interested in comedy in general, um, the school of laughs podcast is amazing. I was telling Michelle earlier, it actually, um, the episode that you did with Rhonda Corey, This was before Rhonda and I were friends. We're now Michelle, Rhonda, and I are basically, you know, that's we're we're the three stooges. We're together all the time. But I didn't really know Rhonda. And the episode that you did with her um, winning the Clean Comedy Challenge, I remember I was running through my neighborhood, just listening to it in the earbuds. And I was thinking, like, it was so reflective of the journey I was on And a lot of times you, you know, you hear success in somebody that you think like, well, I'm too old or I'm too, you know, this or, you know, whatever um, false voices have gotten in your head. But then you hear somebody on the podcast and I heard Rhonda and her journey. And actually, because of that episode, uh, it gave me enough courage to even try out or attempt to do the clean comedy challenge, uh, which then manifested in the same situation as Rhonda. I ended up, you know, winning that event, but I had, I wouldn't have even um, gone on there and done that had it not been for the episode that that you did there. But even before I was actually doing stand up, I listened to your, your podcast all the time and you have interesting people. And I believe that there's a lot of stuff that applies to in comedy that can apply to all kinds of um, jobs and and real world situations. So I definitely encourage our audiences to to listen to um, Rick's podcast because it's it's phenomenal. But going into the new year, um, is is there any uh, thoughts that you have maybe personally in your comedy or any suggestions you have for comedians that might help them be more successful in 2022 than they were in 2021?
2: Yeah. You know, good timing on this actually, because The next episode that comes out on the 15th of December is the annual goals tracker worksheet episode, which Mm. covers about 40 different areas that you could choose. You You don't have to choose all 40, but it gives you 40 things where you could look at what you currently have, whether it's how much material you have, how many times a week you're writing, how many new jokes you get on stage, how many videos you've created, how many subscribers you've got, all these different things. And then look at what you want to have by the end of next year. And it gives you a little chart where you can kind of divide those things into weeks or months and start to break down your goals in actionable ways so that you can take control of of what you can control. A a lot of comedy and a lot of art, uh, you're kind of you're at the whim of a lot of different people and, and places and things. A lot of it's out of your control. But creating your content, that's all on you. And so this next episode that comes out has a ton of different things and little side stories in between the, the different areas uh, to get you motivated. Outside of that, I would say, you know, look at the new year as a way to um, kind of recalibrate and, and focus at least on one thing that's driving you crazy and finishing it, whether that's a book you've been trying to write for two or three years or whether it's your next uh, 30 minutes or 40 minutes special or whatever it might be. But at least have one goal and hold yourself accountable to that. Because if you don't, you can't measure what you don't do. So do something, mm. measure it. And again, it's, it is kind of like it's it's a frog, not a baby. If you don't reach your goal one month, hey, you just put that frog back on the, the dissecting chart and try to chop it up, mm. put it in a blender, whatever you got to do to get that thing torn apart and built back together. Um, but, you know, the new year... It's weird that we sometimes wait for the new year to start new goals and things like that, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. on us right now. So let's just take advantage of it. And see what you can do. Another thing I would say too is make an effort to, to get outside of you and see if you can focus. You know, I have what in my house when I'm home uh, on Mondays. I kind of start the week with an attitude of gratitude. I like that phrase. Mm-hmm. But I write thank you notes to everybody who hired me the previous week. If I didn't have mm-hmm. a gig the previous week, I reach out by email or a Facebook Messenger or something like that to somebody that's In my circle and just you know encourage them or ask them if there's anything they need help on but Mm. every Monday I try to start off you know outside of doing something for me doing something for somebody else or thanking somebody else for something and that usually sets the tone pretty nice for a Monday which can usually be a pretty grumpy day around the house
0: (laughs) yes that's that's awesome I I love Michelle I love what he said Uh, several years ago I heard somebody say you know resolutions are nothing without a plan it's mm. nothing where I play it because people will be like, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds this year. Okay. Then how? How are you gonna do it? Uh, right. Invest and, and we, in the
1: London stock exchange. Oh <laughs> yes.
2: right. is is? I'm trying to use Let's... lose 50 euros right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, there it is. But I love it. So so Rick's next, you know, next episode um, not only is like, hey, you know, may here, you know, think of things you can do, but also he physically is giving you something that you can print and, and look at and something concrete to make a plan and just not have an idea. Of something to do, but actually, yeah, um, it, it steps you know to take action to get that done. So that's that's really awesome, yeah. Michelle. If, if you, yeah, oh, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say, if you, the, if the you PDF failed is up plan. On the plan, website already. So if, if people want to oh, just nice. go to schoollast.com and go to the goals tracker tab and hit mm-hmm. that, they can download it. And there's six or seven other free resources there. And they all, I think, apply to any kind of art form, they're specific to comedy, but you can easily translate, write new jokes to paint a new painting or create more, or whatever. Mm,
1: if, awesome. if you're starting out, Rick, which would be the first or the best class to start with from your um from your site?
2: Yeah, I would say two things to do is one go to that same tab and there's a 20 uh, page PDF called Getting Started in Comedy. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of addresses all the things that you're kind of thinking. Like if your friends are saying mm-hmm. you should try and comedy. Well, that's them telling you to go do something. But how do you do it? And so the 20 pages mm-hmm. kind of walks you quickly through uh, making decisions about how you should maybe go about it and then as far as classes there's an online writing class mm-hmm. um, it's the same it's actually more in depth than the live class that i teach uh, you'll walk out of that with material from even if you're brand new to comedy uh, there's 140 114 page workbook in there that gives you assignments and there's different wow. levels of that the, the least level you can just take it on your own but if you want guidance and feedback there's also uh, two other versions of that same class with extra feedback so I would do that, but I would check out some of the podcasts first. You can use the search tool to search any topic. Uh, I'm sure if you're, I know if we've had multiple comics on there, like, am I too old to start comedy? Well, if you type that yes. in, you'll pull up six episodes in a blog post that tell you what they thought and what their story was and how they overcame that. So any questions you have, you could probably search that website for months, if not a year on end, and get all your questions without even taking a class. But if you want one, they're in there, and there's uh, Christmas specials going on now, half off. So if anybody wants to jump in that, uh,
0: now's nice. a good tab. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's um, it's a game changer. It's definitely a game changer. I mean, I every time I sit down and write, I'm using something that I learned from from Rick Roberts. Every time I, I sit down and write, so. You have definitely, uh, you've been laugh support to me, Rick, and I so appreciate that. Um, we are just, like I said, honored that you've been on here. Guys, definitely yes, check out Rick you. Roberts, on um, Facebook comedian, Rick Roberts. Uh, you can find him on YouTube, Rick YouTube video, um, Twitter, Rick Roberts. And uh, as we said, his um, School of Laughs podcast and mm-hmm. uh, all the tools that you can can find through that. Um, just Absolute honor. It's been great to have you on today, hadn't it, Michelle? Yes, thank you. It is. And also, um, make sure that when you're looking
1: up Rick, it's R-I-K-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. It's Rick, R-I-K, not R-I-C-K. Yeah, there um, is a very
2: unfunny, um, I shouldn't say that, but there's a couple of videos (laughs) up of a guy named Rick Roberts spelled the other way. And I always wondered, did people search him and go, not ready to hire this dude yet?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah how many jobs may have uh, you know you may have missed because of that one yeah there's like this girl uh, june colson um out there too that uh if you see her video it's not funny it's not me it's not it's a, that's not me <laughs>
1: right. there's a, another photographer there's another michelle van Dusen with one l um but she's a photographer so if you see some pictures that are in focus that's her and if you see the blurry this ones that's me
0: This is true. This is true. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Laugh Support Podcast. Our thanks to Rick Roberts. And actually, this closes out our very first um, season of the Laugh Support Podcast. So thank you to everybody who has been on the show this year, who has um, been our laugh support, and we look forward to a great year in 2022. That's it for me. Jesus and Junebug loves you. And tell them goodbye, Michelle. Goodbye, Michelle. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thanks. <laughs>